Welcome to The Plants We Eat, an investigation into the science, culture, and history behind the plants that we use for food. My name is Jeff Gilman, and I'm the director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens. I'm a plant history enthusiast. I'm Cindy Proctor, part-time instructor at Central Piedmont in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a garden coach, landscape professional enthusiast. <laughs> oh, that, that was a, yeah. a mouthful. It, it, change, it changes every week. Hey, it's to, it's to entertain you. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm totally entertained. I mean, I don't know about anybody I'm listening, here for, I'm here but for I'm, I'm totally entertained. <laughs> okay. So today we've got a special one, which um, at the end of at the end of the last show we recorded, we were uh, we were walking down the road and talking about what we should do next, and uh, Cindy just says roses, and you know what? Um, that just seemed like a great idea to me because I I, I went right home and I ate a rose. <laughs> you ate a rose <laughs> immediately. You ate the rose hips. I I did eat the rose hips. Not, You're right. Okay. And that's mostly what we're going to talk about today are right. rose hips. Right. And for those of you who don't know, rose hips are that, they're the fruit of the rose. And before you think fruit of the rose, that's crazy. Um, hey, roses are in this uh, huge family. It's, it's called the rose family. <laughs> and within the rose family, we have the apple. And can you name one or two? Sure. Cherry. Apricot. Oh, go ahead. There's a contest now. <laughs> There's a contest. There's a contest going. Laurels. Almonds. No, you got to be ones you eat. I guess you could eat a laurel. No, it, you really shouldn't. Cherry laurel. It, you Well, you know, you can actually be poisoned by a cherry laurel you, you because of the be. amount of cyanide right. in, okay. the, uh, in the stems. Okay, but there's quite a few plants. There in are. The, there's a ton of plants. In the plants, rose family. Plants you wouldn't even think of, like, like almonds, cherry, apricots, peach, apple, hawthorn, um, just a pear, just a tremendous number of plants in this rose family which you can eat. So the fact that you can eat roses should be no surprise at all. And the most common part of the rose to eat is the rose hip, but it's certainly not the only part of the rose that you can eat. The petals are also eaten quite a bit. And so roses are actually, in the United States, I wouldn't call them a popular herb. They're certainly used, but there are places in the world where they are a very popular herb, particularly in Asia. Now, do understand that rose, if we're talking just roses, just the flower roses, the, this plant is all over um, the world, just everywhere. Very, very common. A lot um, of sim- uh, symbolism. Lot of sim- rose, yes. A lot of symbolism as well. I looked for old, I looked for ancient recipes, and the, the most ancient that I found um, thought was very, very interesting. It's called patina de rosis, which is calf's brains and rose. And uh, I found out about this recipe at, uh, at, a, at a blog, it was a fascinating blog, uh, called Pass the Flamingo. And it's a blog <laughs> by Andrew Coletti. Uh, and he actually tried to make it. And basically, you take calf's brains and you flavor it with uh, rose and some other uh, some with other the rose ingredients. hips or the rose petals? This is actually the rose petals. You okay. make rose water. And I'll explain rose water in just a, in just a moment. And he ate this, and I looked at a picture, and um, it looked absolutely awful. But, <laughs> but, but, but you know, what can you say? As I was saying before, though, um, roses have been known as, a, as, as an herb for a very long time. They've been known all across the world. They're used particularly in Asia. And rose was actually declared the herb of the year in 2012 by the International Herb Association. I'm not used to hearing rose called an herb. We don't think of it as one, but the way it's used is 
cut as an herb, as mm-hmm. something that would flavor mm-hmm. something, not usually as a food by itself, although it certainly can be. There's a lot of information out there for scavengers um, who use uh, wild roses as, as food, you know, picking mostly hips, but also picking petals. Uh, besides making, uh, you know, your calf's brains and and rose dish. Uh, there's also there are also things like uh, well, rose water is used to flavor a lot of things, such as the calf's brains. The way that rose water is made, it's basically uh, laying out a, a lot of roses in a in a in a pan, filling it up with water to just above the level of the uh, of the petals, mm-hmm. and then simmering for a few hours. Mm-hmm. That's how they usually make rose water. One thing that I that I noticed is that uh, with these recipes, it's extremely important to have the rose petals in the water for long enough for the flavor to go from the rose petals to the water. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Um, rose honey, rose-flavored honey, very common. Candied rose, a lot of candied rose. Basically, take the rose petals, you run them through egg white, and then you run them through a sugar solution, and you get oh. a you get a crystallization of the sh- of sugar on the rose petals and rose petals are yummy not very substantial but they are yummy uh coated in sugar though coated well you know <laughs> anything coated in sugar right. tends to be good you know to go just a little further with the rose petals you've heard of turkish delight yes have you ever had turkish delight yes i have okay well that gelatin so it's basically uh, this block of gelatin covered in chocolate. Mm-hmm. Well, the block of gelatin is actually rose-flavored gelatin from rose petals. Uh, I'm not wild about it. It's a touch too perfumey for me, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not bad. I mean, you know. I'm I, used to hearing about rose water for your bath well, or perfume or something. There, there are a ton of articles out there on the benefits of rose in terms of relaxing muscles mm-hmm. and um, you know, making your skin rejuvenate. But when you look at the actual scientific literature, there's not a lot to back that up. I think it's, you're, just, you're just feeling relaxed because you're amongst... Aromath- aromatherapy, That's right. maybe. That's yeah, right. aromatherapy, maybe. Uh, besides Turkish Delight, there's also a Slovenian soft drink um, that's based on rose, which is cocta. And here we are talking about the hips or the fruit of the rose, you know, and the flower is fertilized and develops a fruit. You get that rose hip, and you can use that to make, again, cocta, the Slovenian soft drink, which is actually an absolutely fascinating soft drink. It was uh, first introduced at a ski jumping competition in 1953. And although rose is not the only flavor in there, it is one of the primary flavors. And I'm dying for some, and I've, I've, never, I've never had it. Okay, when uh, you get it. I will uh, Please save, share. Yes. I'll save half a bottle. The uh, okay. carbonation might be gone, but I'm sure it'll still have that <laughs> okay. basic flavor. And palinka is a fruit brandy from Hungary, which is made from rose hips. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting. We're finding all these different places where you can eat rose, and uh, the United States really isn't too high on the list. Now, so uh, we talked about roses being all over the world. There are about 350 species of roses. You know, there are actually two roses which are widely considered the best to eat. I don't know if you if you saw that. Yes. And what what did you, what did you find? I came up with Rugosa. Yes, Rosa Rugosa, yes. which for all of you listening up north, Rosa Rugosa is a northern rose. It goes to zone two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's invasive. It, it is invasive. By suckering. And, yeah, in mm-hmm. some areas, depending on where you live. Sure. Uh, down here in Charlotte, it's not invasive. In no. fact, it doesn't really do well at all. You have to Eat. 
You have to, you're right. Yeah. You have to nurture it along to keep it going. The reason that it's so popular is the size of the hips. Mm -hmm. The hips are absolutely huge. And if you are one of those people who's eaten a rose hip, you know that they are generally pretty, pretty small. The other rose that's pretty common is dog rose. Mm-hmm. And dog rose is called dog rose because it's supposed to cure the bite of a rabid dog. Please don't try this at home. <laughs> this is not something that has any scientific backing. Anyway, to come back to the to the hips, you know, so I really, I, you know, I, as soon as we decided to work on hips, I went home and I tried one, and I thought that it was a kind of apple-y. What what what's your what's your? Yeah, thing? it has the texture of that. the The taste is a little tartar yeah. than I would prefer in an apple, but although the ones that. So you actually brought in some today. Uh-huh. Um, the ones that I had, they're not quite ripe, the ones you brought in. That's the right. ones that I had at home were clearly pretty. Were they red? Pretty, they were red. Yeah. They were ripe. They're beautiful. They are beautiful. I mean, and, you know, from and, an, you know, me, I'm an ornamental, you know, yeah. side of life over here. And so I, I, uh, I think they're beautiful addition. If you don't have to prune your roses, though, you know, you can admire their beauty, but they're, they're. They're because they're red, like mine right. are orange. Well, they're not. They're not the, always. They're not always bright red. but no. they, they turn some form of red. Now, you brought in these rose hips today, and you and I tried them. But we've tried rose hips before. So, Josh, who's doing sound for this show, this is the first. Josh, this is the first time that you ever tried a rose hip, right? Right. Okay. So tell us, what did you think of the of the rose hip? Good, bad, and it was a little underripe. But what did you think? I mean, it definitely had the texture of an apple. Uh, it, it could be good, I imagine, if it were more ripe. It, was definitely it had potential. Fun. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the ones you brought in, I think, are definitely at the un. They're, they're definitely right. unripe right, right now. A little bit sweeter. It's going to be great. Um, so I, I, I want to add just a little more description. Um, I'd say it's apple with a hint of cherry and a hint of rose too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you actually can taste a little bit of rose in there. Mm-hmm. You have to look for it a little bit, but you know that's that's just or use your it. imagination. That's right. <laughs> no. Use your no. use your imagination. <laughs> One of the great advantages uh, to rose hips is that they is they are loaded with vitamin C, so they are considered to be extremely healthy. And one of the interesting stories, actually not so much a, a story as an, artic- as an article, I found this interesting article um, from the Times, the London Times, uh, in autumn of 1941, in midwinter 1942, this article was re-released. And it's about syrup from rose hips. And what, what, it, what, what this article is about, well, you know what, I'll just, I'll just read it to you. So this is from the London Times in the autumn of 1941. A national week for the collection of rose hips to be converted into syrup will open next Sunday. The Ministry of Health and the Department of Health for Scotland state that these fruits, which in the past have been allowed to go to waste, are 20 times as rich in vitamin C as oranges. The collecting is being organized chiefly through schools, Boy Scouts, and Girl Guides, the Women's Institutes, and the Scottish Women's Rural Institutions. The hips, which must be ripe, can be gathered from wild or cultivated bushes, but they should be free from bits of stems and leaves. England knew that they were not going to be able to get citrus during World War II, and to prevent scurvy among the general population, they actually went to rose hips. And what they do with the rose hips, they made a sweet rose syrup, and they just eat this rose syrup with their pancakes or even all by itself. I love this story. <laughs> Isn't that a good it's story? It's a good story. It's, it's, it's a great. fascinating story. So rose hips, 
very healthy, uh, very tasty. And, you know, I, I have to be honest, I think that I found a new, a new food. Well, you could make tea. Do you know how to make tea? I do. I, I've read how to make tea, but I've not done it. Okay. So, so. Well, so you need to pick your rose hips after the first frost. Okay. Because that's when they're going to have the most sugar. And mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't surprise you. Right. Um, and so you, you need to boil them in water like 10 to 15 minutes, though. That, okay. that may not be... <laughs> some tea tea drinkers, that's too long you yeah. know, to enjoy a cup of tea. But that's the recommendation, 10 huh. to 15 minutes. Well, for most of the things with rose, I found that time was very important. Do not mm-hmm. go short. You just won't get the right. flavor. And by the way, you need to use like four to eight rose hips per mm-hmm. cup. So, I mean, it's, you're not going it's, to, it's a hard cup of tea to make and to gather and to have plenty, and it, but, but I think it's worth it. I would love to, I would love to try some. Yes. So, when, I'll bring you the, uh, the rose hip soda and, and you can get me okay. some, of this, uh, okay. some of this tea. So, the, the problem is, is we prune our roses all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't need a rosa rugosa to, right. to, to do this. You can do it from what, the ones you have at home. Essentially any rose. But we prune them all the time. And yeah. you know, you know, roses have a litany of disease and insect, like all mm. plants from the rose family do. It's true. If you look at any almost any plant in the rose family, it's going to be mm-hmm. um, scary, the number of diseases. Now here in the South, of course, we've planted knockout rose everywhere, <sighs> and you're never going to get rose hips from them because they're pruned, understandably, mm. you know, because mm. they grow so big. And we also plant a lot of double roses. Yes. And we can't say double roses. Roses never produce. It's just a not hip, very but it's, common, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, in case, I just want to explain a double rose okay. very quickly. So, a double rose would be a rose that doesn't look like a normal flower. It has more petals than usual, mm-hmm. and the more petals actually come from the male parts of the flower. There's a mutation in the flower such that the male parts turn to petals, and it, that's what we call that is a double flower. Right, that's a double flower. Yes, right. so. No rose hips no or not many. Or, he won't be eating anything. No. So, yes. Yeah, so the old-fashioned roses, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, and the, But we don't always have a single... We always don't want the single-blooming rose because they're just not, they're not you as know, pretty. symbolic as, you know, the yeah. typical roses yeah. that you get for Valentine's Day or right. I love you or, you know... Kind right. Of, exactly. Right. Uh, one thing we should point out with these roses is that roses, because of the number of diseases and insects they get and they get a ton, and we'll talk about a few. Um, they get a ton, and frequently to avoid those uh, those diseases and insects, the roses are sprayed. Because of this, I would never recommend just eating a rose petal or a rose hip off the side of the road. Make sure you get one from yourself or a neighbor who you know what they've put on the Excellent roses. Excellent point. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's some real bad toxics. There's toxins that are sprayed. Well, it gets, you know, it gets things like black spot and black stem spot. canker right. and, you know. I'll, well, I'll, let's, let's, let's talk about the, the big one, the one that could knock out most of our roses <gasps> in the U.S. Rose rosette. Yes. Oh. Rose rosette. Yes. So rose rosette, when you're looking at your rose, you may see new growth that's just distorted and curled. Well, that's a virus, rose rosette. There is no cure. There is nothing you can do. If you see rose rosette... You don't necessarily have to cut your roses out, but realize that this is the beginning of the end, and you probably have a year. So I, I rip out the whole rose bush. Immediately? Yes, immediately. Yeah. Just to kind of play my part and and to reduce the spreading. Now, I think it, that's great. It's but spread by a mite, they're finding out. An areified, mm-hmm. oh, yes. a tiny, an extremely small mite. Viruses, generally speaking, don't. Uh, just fly around in the atmosphere. They mm-hmm. need what's known as a vector, or an insect. A uh, vector is an insect. Mm-hmm. They need an insect to get the virus from one plant and take it to another. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that's true. 
Yeah. And so they're, well, they're trying to find ways to control this mite. Yeah. To control rose rosette. But yeah, we've been watching it for a couple decades now mm-hmm. and it sustained itself in Georgia, mm-hmm. Florida and Georgia. And then it just exploded this way um, yeah. in the past five years. And they don't know of any truly resistant mm-hmm. rose. Um, although they do have some susceptible ones. And unfortunately, knockout is one of the susceptibles. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be it's going to be a mess in years to come, um, and obviously reduce our uh, supply of vitamin C for, the, <laughs> for those of you who are eating rose hips. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many roses do you have in your yard? Um, I've got four. Okay, right now. Okay, um, one of them was actually named after my daughter. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I actually have a a good friend who's up at uh, University of Wisconsin. River Falls, okay. Uh, who's a horticulturist, and um, he named a rose. He's a rose braider, professional rose braider. Besides being a professor, mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, named a rose after her a few years ago. In fact, it it won in two thousand two, two thousand three. It actually won um, the distinction of being the uh, you know the amateur rose of the year or the rose of the year from an amateur breeder or something like that. So it's pretty, pretty But so neat. it's like getting your uh, being named after a star. Yeah. But it's yeah. more it, it it's better. Yeah. There's exactly. not that many roses like there is. Stars. Exactly. It it never became a common rose and it basically can't find it today, but we certainly. Own, that's right. Own one. There, that's all yeah. that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. Well, I am glad you embraced my suggestion of talking about roses and rose hips. It's a, it's a great it's a great uh, great thing to eat. Fascinating plant, notable mostly because of the number of problems that it has, mm-hmm. if we're going to be perfectly honest, but a really fun plant to uh, to delve into. We probably should talk briefly about, um, about uh, the two major types of roses that people are going to see, or maybe the three major types okay. of roses. Like the hybrid we, teas and the grandifloras. Right. A lot of people don't, don't know about those, so I thought it might be worth talking about, okay. at, at a minimum, the hybrid teas. The shrub roses mm-hmm. and the climbers. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So the hybrid teas are the ones that typically are named after. I bet that was the kind that you're. No, no? actually, actually, it's a shrub rose. Okay, it's okay. a hybrid shrub rose. Well, so back in uh, boy decades ago, they start. They came out with a hybrid tea, and mm-hmm. people embraced them because they bloomed all summer long mm-hmm. on new growth. When right. when earlier it was just rose shrub or shrub roses and. Uh, and uh, plants like or shrubs like it would only bloom once and then mm-hmm. sporadically throughout the summer. But mm-hmm. hybrid teas, you know, they just they bloomed all summer long, had different colors, different fragrances, and they were just fun. I mean, they're mm-hmm. named after presidents, movie stars, and and variety of names. When you give somebody a rose, it's almost always a hybrid tea. Yes. That's true. And so, you know, people were wanting to grow them in their right. yard. Now, there is a spraying regimen that goes oh, along yeah. with that because... Don't eat the petals. Don't eat the petals. That's right. <laughs> don't eat the hips. And don't eat anything. So, yes, yeah, so the regimen is extensive and expensive. And there's companies, at least here in the South, that do nothing but manage roses. One of the things that amazes me about the hybrid teas is what they're bred for. So... One of the things that I love most about plants is, is fragrance. I really do love fragrance. And the mm-hmm. hybrid teas have not been bred for fragrance. Um, they've been bred for for uh, a couple of things. First of all, they've been bred to be a, a double mm-hmm. um, because those are considered more beautiful. Right. And second, they've been bred to hold a tight cluster of petals. The best mm-hmm. ones hardly even fan out at all, even mm-hmm. over time. Uh, so that's really what they've been bred for, and, and fragrance has gone by the wayside, and I really personally miss it. Which is why I prefer shrub roses. Okay. 
Like, and then uh, when those became popular, it was David Austin roses that mm-hmm. were, that those were considered the shrub roses, mm-hmm. even though there's, they've kind of fall, fallen to the wayside as well. Right. But they were those cottaging looking roses that mm-hmm. had like a, almost a peony looking flower. Yes. And um, they were embraced. There were books and literature and, you know, garden centers were full of them and they were very popular, but they only had that one season and mm-hmm. it, they just didn't. They they didn't develop. Now, knock, knockout rose is a type of. Um, yes, knockout shrub. rose is a type of um, a shrub rose, and it blooms all summer long. Yeah, but and it's, it's so res- susceptible to. It, but it will do. It's resistant a good bit to. It's resistant to many of the common rose diseases. Mm-hmm. It gets less black spot. It gets less powdery mildew. Right. It gets less almost everything except for the rose rosette, which it seems to be more susceptible to. It, that's true, and I and and it's a it's a sad thing, but they're everywhere, yeah. and we've planted them everywhere. Uh, for that reason, but they they've they are beautiful and the climbing roses, like the Banks rose, the Banks rose. Okay, we ladies Banks rose. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a beautiful rose. That's a one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is hybrid tea type climbers, if yeah. you will, that bloom off and on all summer long, and then um, the the there's uh, heirloom. Yes. Um, climbers that I embrace. In fact, that's where uh, oh, those the, hips the, uh, came from. Okay. It's one of the heirloom uh, climbers that I have that somebody gifted me. Mm-hmm. And it, there's probably not very many of it in the mm-hmm. uh, in the country anymore. Right. So, um, but they're very vigorous and, you know, in, in small landscapes, that's not always you know, we talked probable. About, we talked about the rugosas. Those are really a, basically a shrub rose. They are a shrub rose, single bloom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, I think you can get a double. Well, but you, but their their foliage looks like a bramble. That's they, they the do. problem. Yeah. The, so the rugosas, except in the in the I'll call it the far north Minnesota. Um, except in the far north, they're really not popular. And a big part of the reason not popular is because in terms of thorns, rugosa is just about the worst. It's it is ugly. so thorny. <laughs> the the blooms are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're into the into it for the whole food mm-hmm. aspect, the um, the hips are going to be huge and mm-hmm. very tasty. But and the the petals are going to be tasty too. But this is a thorny, um, I'll call it an aggressive shrub. <laughs> it really is an aggressive <laughs> shrub, but beautiful when it blooms. Yes, it is. Oh, it's breathtaking. Among the among the best. Yes, I agree. I agree. And the rose hips are fairly large, and they're beautiful red, mm-hmm. crimson almost, almost as showy as the flowers. Yes, it's very beautiful. So you have two seasons, right? <laughs> you do. Okay. You do. All right. Well, thank you for agreeing to talk about. Uh, it was my pleasure. That was a that was a fun one to do. This has been the plants we eat. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the University of North Carolina at Charlotte Botanical Gardens, along with the CLAS College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at UNC Charlotte and the Isle Group. We look forward to talking to you next week.